Hey, good morning all. Welcome to the Common Good Podcast. It's April 18th, also known as Tax Day. Rob just reminded mm. Dan and I. Uh, the day when the federal government takes money out of your bank account in order to hold down inflation. Not to yeah. pay its bills. Nope. Just to, just to hold back inflation and, and motivate you into certain behaviors. If you want to know more about that, join us on Thursday when we talk about economics. But today, it's Politics Day. Transgender uh, battles going on, attacking transgender children. Do the Republicans uh, want to be about Clarence Thomas? Apparently, is funded by a personal friend, which I understand. If I, I too would like to be funded by a personal friend, that would be great. But I'm not a Supreme Court justice, um, and uh, a bunch of other issues that are going to be important for our politics today. Doug Paget in Minneapolis, Minnesota, where in the last week it was 87 degrees and snowed, and now today it's. <laughs> Um, that that is true. Actually, true. That's. I mean, I'm I'm into exaggeration, but that is not one. That is actually true. And Rob Ryersey, somewhere outside of Fayetteville, Arkansas, in an unknown location. It, and it's beautiful here in Arkansas. Absolutely beautiful. We we did um, we did have a stray cat adopt us, uh, which this is not the first time this has happened. We yeah. had uh, we had two cats join the family uh, maybe a year and a half ago. Uh, a couple of kittens, and now it seems that uh, their step-sibling of some kind has decided that uh, they're going to live with us too. And I'm sorry uh, for so your we, we, yeah, we had a we had a cat just run into our house and begin eating cat food. Oh, um, into the house! Into the house! Yes, yeah, I saw your post um, on social media where you. Yeah. It looked like an outdoor cat. I was like, yeah, well, that's normal. It is, yeah, it is mostly an outdoor cat. Um, it's only been in the house the one time. Um, <laughs> that's how it starts, though, Rob. Yeah, yeah I know. It, Vanessa, my wife, is adamant that this cat is not joining the family. <laughs> Good for her. And she feeds it. <laughs> well, two things can be true at the same time. You know, <laughs> the therapist tells you on a regular basis, right? Both things, both things can be true. Yeah. Yep. Well, uh, well, may the the cat find a, a welcoming home. We are. Uh, well, we. I say we. I am taking suggestions for names. If anybody in the comments would like to, uh, it's a it's mm. a black cat, very fluffy. Uh, black cat with green eyes, uh, taking suggestions for names. If anyone has uh, any ideas, hmm. go away. How about how about that? <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, it's not a bad one. I had a friend that named their cat Pisonia, and he asked him why. <laughs> he said, "Well, Cute. he does ten. I like it. And how are things like there it. in uh, in uh, in West Michigan? Uh, no cats, but we had snow yesterday and it was in the 80s the day before so crazy bill yeah hey how's that fungus i saw escanaba there was a big <laughs> fungus outbreak. hey dan how's yeah. how's your fungus uh, uh, is the is the fungus getting up up to where you are did you see that new story about i did actually fungus? see yeah there's some sort of weird fungus up Not in the up around. of michigan upper peninsula yeah. uh hasn't got down here yet that i know of so that's good hmm. but it is like resistant to Mm-hmm. Antibiotics this, uh, and stuff. It's like Is this like a Last of Us situation? It's like or, the prequel to Last of Us. Like this is the news footage they'll show in the background of the next episode of The Last of Us. <laughs> like <laughs> if you don't know that TV show, it's built around a pandemic that starts because of a fungus. And that's not a spoiler either. That's the that's the setup to the, the show. Premise, yeah. Fungal zombies. 
it's uh more no 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 it's zombie this is us that's <laughs> what that's what we us. call that's what we call it around here <laughs> it's a very weird. emotional show yeah. it's about relationships like this is us but it's zombie this is yeah us. it's not yeah. about zombies it's about the relationships i i did the see that third episode along the and, you way. Guys, and you guys were right that third episode was just just yeah. something else yeah really, really good Yep. Really, I didn't really love great. the uh I didn't love the finale, but uh Oh. Yeah. Haven't gotten there yet. Yeah, it disappointed me a little bit, but well. Has there do? been a finale of a TV show either by the season or the 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 total show that you felt like that that was that that did it? Yes. You, you have one. You have, you have a finale. Severance. Sever- the the season 1 finale of Severance. Oh, so good. Was unbelievable. Can't wait for the next season. Fair enough. Yeah, right. You're right. But hey, there's a lot going on in the world and a lot of stories we need to get to today. Yes. Uh, so we're just going to dive right in. And and, and Doug, by the way, like you're going to sidetrack us almost immediately. Right now, almost immediately, right on the shoes. <laughs> just to tell people the news stories today, call your friends, call your family, get the, get the aunties and uncles over, get the cousins. We are not going to mention the name of the criminal convict from New York. Uh, he's not in the, he's not in the, uh, in the news stories today. Yeah. What a, what a relief! Whole episode without mentioning he no criminal shall not convict. Be named. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Just from here on out, criminal convict. I looked for a criminal number, couldn't find one, so apparently doesn't doesn't have one. But I would love to have him be a number. But yeah, you are right, Dan. Um, look, that what th- I heard this this last week that some of the religious um, political conservatives have decided and are saying publicly that the issue that they want to run on in 2023 and 2024 for the presidential election is battling the movement to include transgender people in our society. That's the topic that they want to run on. They've been talking about it for six or eight years. They've been ginning up all kinds of lies and distortions about people, and they've chosen it. That's the one. That's the thing that they're going to be um, be, be getting on. And as it turns out, they have been laying the groundwork for this to discriminate against transgender people in all kinds of uh, bills in state houses all over the country. Yeah. In record speed, because this is one of the ways that bills get passed at state legislatures. They're written in a, uh, with a national view and then are templates that then different states can just take and change the, the basic information for that state and insert the, the pre-written law. And they've chosen to do this now with, um, with anti-transgender inclusion, um, legislation and it's just shocking to me i think it is is morally wrong it is ethically inexcusable it is religiously uh ridiculous and as a political issue it couldn't be worse this country does not want to see itself fundamentally organized around who we don't include i know that it it can feel like that's how uh, the, the system works, that it's always trying to keep someone out. But that's never a pitch to people. Let's have a country where less people are allowed to participate fully in our in in our life and in our democracy. It is it is just a terrible idea from top to bottom. If if I was only thinking in political terms, because I think Republicans need to sit it out for another 12 years from any kind of leadership, and if the House of Representatives today doesn't show you that proof positive on that um if it was only a political issue 
well, that would be, that would be, uh, I would be cheering this on because it's such a bad political move. But it's not just a political issue. It really does yeah. hurt people's lives, damages a lot of people. And that's the point, the intention of it. Yeah. Is to try to turn this issue into something by which we should be, um, uh, acting in ways that are that are discriminatory toward transgender people. Yeah, the Republican Party has become the party of cruelty, like intentional cruelty. Whether it was the Trump administration saying we're intentionally going to be cruel, we're going to put kids in cages as a deterrent mm -hmm. to these anti-trans bills that are meant to just bully children. Like, yeah. what is wrong with you? Yeah. Yeah. There are, uh, according to a study in 2022, uh, there are 1.6 million Americans uh, over the age of 13 who identify as trans. Um, 1.6 million, is that's a big number. At the same time, it's not a very big number when you consider that we're a nation of 350 million people. To target such a small percentage of the population to bully, to discriminate against, to use as some kind of horrific boogeyman is just reprehensible. Yeah. And... And at the same time, I would love to like, you know, so much of this trans stuff is in, is, is built on this idea of, of grooming and the danger to children at the hands of, of trans folks. And th that is just completely made up Yep. and is the height of hypocrisy because over and over and over again, I mean, it it seems like the people who are the loudest voices that are anti-trans, uh, you know, anti-groomer, turn out to be the ones who are doing the, that very thing. I mean, just this week, there was news out of Texas that the, the proponent of anti-trans bills in uh, the leading sponsor of them in Texas you know, because he's scared of the children being groomed, had an underaged in intern at his apartment serving her alcohol, trying to have sex with her. You know, yep. Like the the hypocrisy is just infuriating, and Dan, you're exactly right. The cruelty is infuriating, especially at like such a small population, such a small percentage of the of the U.S. population. It is. It is just horrific. Yeah, and it's the same. And it's also the same battle plan that they have in place that they had around LGBTQ, uh, other LG, other gay and lesbian yes. people before the acronym, you know, uh, was was put together. The list of letters. And and look, we we have struggled with how to include sexually non-normative people in our society. It's been really hard for the entire time. And we should be getting better at it. What we should be doing is figuring out as a society, how do we engage, 
understand and include people who see themselves not in the typical patterns that we all, that so many of us expect in this, in this society. Now we're not good at that, but instead of working hard on that project, instead of working hard on finding ways to understand and to deepen what are just old bad ideas of oversimplicity about men, women, sex, the purpose of sex. I mean, it, it's really shocking when you, when you listen to the conversation people are having, it returns to a old timey patriarchy kind of conversation in which the purpose of sexuality is simple procreation, that there's this notion of a family, none of which these people in this society hold to as the norm anyway. So we have had a changing normative understanding of who's included and what's uh, understood and acceptable in our society, right? That's been going on from the founding of, of this country and from the, from the founding of civilizations. People have struggled with this. This is our moment to be better at these issues. And instead, it's going the other way. And frankly, it's a little shocking. I mean, to me personally, this feels like a 25-year-old conversation. I know to a lot of people, it feels more recent and it feels like this has come on out of nowhere. But friends, if you're new to the issue of trans people or non-normative sexual identities, there's a lot of work you can delve into to understand this. It's not as foreign as it might seem. But rather than that, rather than schools... And, and heavens, heavens save us. What about our kids' sports teams? I mean, could we please just ratchet back for a minute that maybe the number one concern is not what kids should be on what field hockey, ice hockey, or lacrosse teams? It is just so petty. So, so petty. When yeah, you think... And the spiritual and personal health of people because of bills like this and because of these biases and harms. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I was, I, I was going to crack a joke about my daughter's uh, soccer team, but this is too serious of a topic to, to joke. I mean, <laughs> well, <laughs> no better joke than the joke you won't tell. So that's, yeah. a, <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure it was a good one either. So but that's the yeah. thing you uh, take an already very small population of, people who mm -hmm. identify as trans and then you shrink that even more to the people the that athletes. are trans that mm -hmm. are athletes and so we're talking about a handful of individuals yes. and these lawmakers are rushing yes. to enact laws yeah that target yes a handful of individuals yeah, I remember last year when the governor of Utah conservative republican um vetoed an, uh, an anti-trans bill uh, that was meant to keep kids from from playing sports in in Utah and he vetoed it um, and and put out a great statement and it was really really fantastic deserve a lot of credit for the courage that he displayed doing this um, and uh, in that he said that he had his team research how many trans kids there were playing sports in the state of Utah. And it was three. Yeah. <laughs> it was like a whole bill to target three kids. Yeah. So these people won't do anything about gun violence. Yeah. They won't do anything about childhood hunger. Yeah. They're or not, obesity. Right. Yeah. They're not going to pay for school lunches. But by God, they're going to 
get to the bottom of this. I just can't. yeah, and and look, and it's and it's wrapped in a religious narrative. Ernest has a great comment here in the in the chat. Um, you know that so much of this is driven by religion, and it is because people tend to wrap bigotry and exclusion in religion. It's yeah. true in Christianity. It's true in Judaism. It's true in Hinduism. It's just true. It's true in Islam. So that's a thing, right? It doesn't originate from the scriptures of any of these traditions. It doesn't even originate from the teachings of any of these religions. It's just utilized because it's a more powerful operating force for so many people right. to uh, to do this. And and Rob, uh, your, your point about you know the projection that's coming from this work. And look, there is such a fragility in the conservative, socially conservative, religious and political right. There is the fragility is incredible, <laughs> and they're so afraid that somehow something is going to be done that's going to tip their child off the path. I mean, it's just mm -hmm. true, right? So, yeah. and th this this drives what's being taught in schools. This drives all kinds of concerns that 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 individuals have. Some people who don't even have children yet are concerned about these things. And there's this deep belief that if you hear something or are taught something at a young age you're going to follow that path. Now, what is just utterly bizarre to me about that is these are the same people who recognize that their own Christian instruction apparently doesn't work, right? How come, why, why is it that only uh, hearing about a transgender person or hearing about from a gay or lesbian person in elementary school in Florida is somehow going to turn you into a gay or lesbian or transgender person against your own will and desire? Why is it magic somehow when these issues are raised? Mm -hmm. And yet the, all the good virtues that you want to teach day after day, life after life, uh, you know, bedtime after bedtime, none of that's going to work apparently. But one conversation, one book, one kid, one teacher, and oh boy, here we go. Now it's all going to break. It's like this see no evil, hear no evil, speak no evil narrative that lives in these folks. And the projection and the fear is just it's so noticeable it really does feel like something that needs to be dealt with in that in in within the social conservative traditions and i know the social conservative traditions have been built around this for a very long time and is often the case is projection and another story was in the news this week about someone named ali alexander who's a big funder and a big driver for the stop the steal work of claiming that the criminal convict from New York uh, was, uh, you know, won won an election that he didn't win, and that person who's leading the stop the steal hard right conservative funder had to apologize and, by his own admission, bow out of public view because of his texting and grooming young men to be his sexual partners. And this just happens over and over. You can yeah. go down the list of the people. You can start with Jerry Falwell Jr. and go right to Ali, Ali Alexander and a thousand people in between who are public figures out on this conserv socially conservative right that are up to all kinds of things that they're warning everybody about. Yep. <laughs> it, at some point, it's just utterly ridiculous. It's not thou do, doth protest too much. It's way beyond that. It's like your obsessions and your fears and your self-hatred 
and your community that doesn't know how to accept you for being someone who you really are is causing you to support things that are damaging all kinds of people. And the data points are just all over the place. It's really, really something. It's, it's, it's just simply stunning. You know, I mean, yeah. it, from the Catholic Church all the way forward, from the Southern Baptist Southern Church Baptist, yeah. abusing kids to non-denominational church, all across the board, religious mm -hmm. people abusing children and then out asking for laws to stop certain people from expressing themselves. It is just beyond hypocrisy, right? Like hypocrisy is sort of like, hey, man, you got you to gotta square up your math here. This is well beyond that. This is this is just actual damage that's being done by people for whom it's coming. Look, <laughs> some of us have said as preachers all the time, you know, all preaching is, is biography, right? All passion is biography. These laws, their biography, dig into them. And what you're going to find out is a whole bunch of people that are damaging others because they feel... Uh, some level of of violence and self hatred uh, toward toward themselves, and it's just it's just nonsense. And apparently, we're now going to be talking about this, which could be a very good thing because this is how it normalizes. Do you guys know that old axiom in movement building that goes first about any issue? This mm -hmm. this can be true, and it's certainly true about this. And I think there's actually this might be the upside of this. I think four steps or something. First, they ignore you, then they laugh at you. Then they fear you. Then they accept you. And that's something you just see happening over and over. And issues of trans inclusion in our society is following that pattern. Ignorance, laughter, fear, ultimately going to get to acceptance. So yeah. this might be part of the process that a society like ours has to go through. But the damage that will be done um, between now and inclusion and acceptance is... Um, still a, such a long way off and you know somebody bringing this up again this week is this is marjorie taylor green and you know i had to you know what i had to, to google the other day i never thought i would google this as somebody who enjoys uh, <laughs> what, what did you google a good, a good lime bud light what is the bud light controversy you had to google that doug because i texted you on friday evening along with dan and our friend brandon I sent a text of a very large Bud Light and said, I'm drinking Bud Light because I love America and I hate myself. Yes. This is <laughs> and you and you were like, what are you even yeah, talking yeah. about? It, it was it was like, here it is again. What is the Bud Light controversy? That's right. I, I'd forgotten that that's what that that's what triggered it. And I'm like, I don't even get that joke. Um, I mean, I think I those two it, things are true, but I think that you were making <laughs> I thought it was a good one. You do love America and you do hate yourself, but I don't understand what this has to do with Bud Light, which I frankly think is a is a terrific a terrific alcoholic beverage to enjoy. Not much of a beer. But a great beverage in its own right. Uh, just it's just like take the it as a of beers. It's like totally beer flavored water. Yes, it's terrific. But as it turns out, Bud Light, in an effort to want to connect with people in America, Bud Light, mm -hmm. again, Anheuser Busch Corporation, more inclusive than the Republican Party. Wrap your heads around that for a minute. <laughs> Did an outreach to a a influencer. Uh, in this in social medias and put a campaign together that uh, sent Bud Light to this person who's identifies as transgender and they made a little pitch about it around March Madness and some of the rest and they're promoting their beer through this person as an influencer and by the way alcoholic 
uh, beverage companies, if you're looking for other influencers, we are right here waiting for you. I mean, <laughs> by golly. You do, uh, you do love that Bud Light orange. Uh, you oh, really I, I would. I'd say I could lean into a solid support of the the, the flavored Bud Lights. Yes, the Vote um, Common Good podcast brought to you from the Bud Light Orange Studios. <laughs> let's not leave out Michelob Ultra. If they want to make a run for it, we would we would have a bidding war that you know could get up into the ten, tens of dollars um, that we would be paid for pitching that. Uh, so anyway, they they put out this campaign, and it caused the social conservatives to go lose their minds oh, yeah. and say they're never drinking Bud Light again, including, and can we just hold this thought for a minute, rock icon Kid Rock, <laughs> who apparently Kid Rock now. I prefer WWE Hall of Famer Kid Rock. Oh, thank you for that. I didn't Gosh. know that. Wow. <laughs> okay, WWE World Wrestling Entertainment uh, Hall of Famer Kid Rock. And anarchist leading narrator for we don't need no rules, the guy who wants to you know lead the 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 rock revolution and and buck authority. That's the guy that apparently is the voice of social conservatism. How did this happen? Is shooting. <laughs> cans of Bud Light because no longer will he drink it if they're going to support an influencer, a cultural influencer who is transgender. That this like guilt by association. I, re I remember, I remember so clearly when the social conservatives said Kid Rock is a threat to our children. Right. Now he's not a threat. Yeah. The influencer on Instagram who you've never heard of apparently is such a threat that a sponsor cannot be supporting. And that's caused at least one country music artist to say that he won't be involved with Bud Light any longer. And it's just become ridiculous to the point yeah. that you know, Marjorie Taylor Greene now says that, that Lindsey yeah. Graham uh, sends yeah. out this picture of Lindsey Graham with a Bud Light in his hand. And yeah. it's just turned into utter, utter ridiculousness because this issue is so unbelievable rooted in anything significant it's yeah it's just I, ridiculous yeah i i have two thoughts about this one related to the bud light um that lindsey graham is holding um there are um significant rumors related to lindsey graham's um sexuality and you know there there have been stories that have been circulated there's a there's a particular nickname that that he has apparently in in Washington DC um he's known as Lady G uh so it's it is not um this this swipe at at Lindsey Graham from Marjorie Taylor Greene is uh I see what you're saying. It's yeah. an ins it's an insider critique that that we may not yeah. Know it's a it's a real brushback pitch of like you need to you need to step back here because we could destroy you. Um, that's huh. that is uh, there's a lot of innuendo around it that I th I think um, I, I think is significant. Yeah. Uh, the other <laughs> thing that was really fascinating about this story. Is that um, the the 
the criminal convict's son um, went on went on his podcast and um, criminal I had criminal convict junior criminal um, defendant. <laughs> criminal, yeah, yeah, yeah. Criminal okay. defendant junior um, went on his podcast and encouraged conservatives to stop the boycott mm. of Bud Light. Oh. And and all that made me think was, oh, he must own Anheuser Busch stock. There's got to be something there. Well, my favorite part is I don't think a lot of these folks know what a boycott is because yeah, they're right. going out and buying cases of Bud Light and then shooting it with guns or running it over yes. with trucks. Yep. You're yeah. still giving them the money. You're yep. just not enjoying the product. So it's- yeah. Hey, hey, here's a here's a great here's a great political. Well, when you begin to go down the list of Anheuser, they're all like, "Well, I'll drink Coors Light instead," or you know, Mm -hmm. when you begin Michelob Light, or or like when you begin to go down the list of corporations who, um, you know, have indicated their support of the LGBTQ community, just about every single beer company there is has done this i mean folks are going to be drinking water instead of (laughs) instead of alcohol if they're gonna if they're gonna be consistent with their boycott because i mean even even beers that you think of as like kind of conservative i mean but i mean budweiser you kind of think of a is a conservative brand but like sam adams or yingling like i mean you're there's there's not much left to drink yeah and to be Look, clear, these businesses are not doing this out of the goodness of their hearts. Like right. they've made a business decision and seen yes. that societally we've reached a tipping point where the majority of Americans support trans inclusion. That's right. That's right. It's it the, there is a market and when you sell your product, you would yeah. like the entirety of your of a country like the United States to feel invited to enjoy that product. Nearly every product would want that. The one product that doesn't want that is Republicanism. They have decided (laughs) we don't want some people to enjoy our, the fruits of our labors. We're going to attack Disney, the (laughs) destination place of, can you imagine? near on all children at some point in their life and they want to be in opposition to Disney and now in opposition to the thing that makes Disneyland tolerable for parents, Bud Light. It it is a level of just self-destruction again, over what? Over the idea that transgender people shouldn't also be advertised to to buy beer mm-hmm. now you're not even look think about what you're even talking about here now they're not even talking about what kid gets to play on a lacrosse team or what locker room or what bathroom is someone going to use by governmental demand now they're talking about private industry mm-hmm. the current republican party tells private industry you don't get to sell to a sector of our society or we will punish you it's just absurd. Yeah. This is this is where it has gone, and it's a and look. I know that social conservatives have been up to this stuff nonstop, 
right? Dan and Rob, you guys could probably tell stories about your own childhood where yes. the conservatives were wanting to boycott all kinds of nonsense, including yeah, this yes. exact day. Yeah. But it was never, here's the thing, the social conservatives in Republican circles were always one small fringy wedge yeah. of, this, of the yeah. Republican identity. Now yes. it has become the center of it. That's the problem. Yes. yes, this has been around, but the other Republicans that have always said, okay, we're gonna we're a we're a big family of conservatives. We're gonna keep the social conservatives in with the fiscal conservatives, in with the the military hawks and, and other military conservatives. Like we're just gonna find a way for all of us to be in. And now it's just all given way to this nonsense because yep. these are the bills that they're now trying to pass. This isn't the taxed enough already crowd anymore. This yep. is the anyone not like us is such yeah. an assault on our well-being and we need to harness all of our efforts for the next 19 months until the next election to drive the horrible Biden administration out of office. It's just nonsense. And if it was simply, again, ridiculous politics, we could all shake our heads, but it actually hurts people and it demands that we all become informed about this kind of nonsense so that yeah. we can say things to, you know, otherwise decent people in our lives. Yeah. And I'll just commend yes. you to uh, to our playlist on our YouTube channel where we have a great conversation with Paula uh, Stone Williams, who talks about her own transition from male to female, writes about it as a pastor and as a leader, and it's tremendous. So if you want to learn more about these things so that you feel more informed and more well-versed uh, uh, in the conversations, the conversation that we have with Paula stone williams on our on our playlist is is just re really worth it or or in our podcast you can also you know, go search the podcast and you'll find it yeah I, and and doug everything you you said is absolutely true it reminds me of um words from barry goldwater who was senator from arizona republican nominee for president in 1964 really credited with launching the conservative movement and ronald reagan and all of that and just a you know, low tax, small government, libertarian type of conservative. And this is what, this is some, this is a quote from Barry Goldwater. He says, mark my word, if and when these preachers get control of the Republican party and they're trying to do so, it's going to be a terrible damn problem. Frankly, these people frighten me. Politics and governing demand compromise, but these Christians believe they are acting in the name of God, so they can't and won't compromise. I know I've tried to deal with them, and so uh, the, I mean these words that, from '64. When, when was that? <laughs> Do you know when that quote was? I, I think this quote was from the from the early '80s. Um, but I mean, Barry Goldwater like saw this coming right yeah. on the money. It's exactly the situation that we're in. Yeah. yeah, and this is this is a good reminder that you can agree with someone you don't agree with when they're right about things. Yeah. It's, a, it's a good yeah. it's, a, it's a good reminder. He's not yeah. you can't be wrong about everything all the time, Barry Goldwater. And it turns out <laughs> good good call on good call on that one. Uh, a big 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 win there. Um, uh, all right. Uh, well, before we move on, I want to sidetrack us back to this idea of projection that these Republican family values guys are almost always up to something. Perverts. Yeah. So did you guys see this out of Missouri? This Missouri yeah. senator's uh, mm. comments on child marriage. Did you see no, this? So no. he, uh, this is in a state, you know, hearing. They're talking about uh, some different things. This, uh, this GOP state senator uh, 
suggests that children as young as 12 should have the right to marry an adult with parental consent. And uh, he voted against raising the minimum marriage age in Missouri from 15 to 16. And uh, someone was criticizing him on the floor. And uh, he said, this is, <laughs> this is an exact quote. Do you know any kids who have been married at age 12? I do. And guess what? They're still married. So he's like on the floor of the state government defending child marriage in America. And I know children who got married in violation of the law, and it's a good thing. Yeah. That's what he's saying. Unbelievable. I just... It, 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 it is... It never ceases to shock me. And it's not like... these oh. are. This isn't fringe. No. This isn't an internet troll. This is an elected official yes. at the yeah. state level. I mean, we could do an entire show about, like, crazy things that were said on, like, state legislative... Oh, uh, let's do it. <laughs> Doug, I saw I like let's I was it. on Twitter this morning. I saw there was some some guy in a yellow suit uh, in in Minnesota. Yeah, in Minnesota, Minnesota. state legislature. Hold on a minute. Ranting yellow suit. A sermon. I, yeah. <laughs> I just I mean it's everywhere. The real it's, crime he, was the suit, but yeah. Is he a representative yeah. or was he uh Yeah, yeah. Yes. Elected representative. Well, yeah. let's see if we can get him on the show. I'll I'll reach out and see if see if we can see if we can get him on whatever he was talking about. And oh, and, and by a, the way, and I don't I don't want to I don't want to I don't want to tease things too much. We got some uh, we got some big name guests on. Right. Uh, oh, this in, is in like the works. This is like the joke you're not going to hear. It's the announcement you're not going to hear. <laughs> <laughs> This is this is like the, this is like the I'm mystery not, podcast. <laughs> what is Rob talking about today? There are things that you can't know about There's, that I, you're I'm really going to like. There, we are working on some guests, and we've we've made some inroads uh, to line up some guests uh, that may surprise you a bit, mm. faithful mm. listeners to the, our podcast. Barry Goldwater it may surprise me as the producer a, of this podcast. Wow, that would be, Barry Goldwater would be a big get. I mean, you'd have to work through a medium. I mean, there's just a lot of things we'd have to do. But, I mean, you know. like Ouija board, like, you know, yeah. one letter at a time. Yeah, I know some people that could could conjure that up for us, literally and figuratively. All right, so um, n another big story, which is utterly yeah. shocking. Um, okay, yeah, Marjorie Taylor Greene, not fit for office. There's a headline. Uh, is, is this Clarence Thomas business? Yeah. Look, Clarence Thomas came into public life back in the, back in the 1990s amidst his own controversy of, uh, I believe, Anita Hill telling the truth about the way he treated her, the things that he said. Uh, I know some other people who have known Clarence Thomas very well for a very long time. They have no doubt about the veracity and truthfulness of those claims. He's been a odd and um, divisive figure on the Supreme Court the entire time. He's also been the leading voice of conservative political theory in the country. There was a long time when Antonin Scalia was sort of the most public voice of that, but deep inside the conservative legal theory world, it's Clarence Thomas's ideas and writings. And I heard a statistic yesterday that more former clerks of Clarence Thomas were appointed by Donald, were appointed by the former convict or by, by the criminal defendant. That was really close. Yeah. To, judi to judicial seats than any other justice. Let me just say that uh. again from the confusion. That 
Clarence Thomas's clerks represent the highest percentage of any wow. justice's clerks to currently be on seats recently appointed wow. at the federal level, which means wow. that his protégés are all over. So a 40-year mm. process and attempt to try to make a particular judicial view that Clarence Thomas holds, which is out of step even with the current Supreme Court. That's why he always has to write concurrences or or you know uh, 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 dis disagreement uh, Dissent. statements, dissents. Thank you. So, look, Clarence Thomas has a lot of influence, and what's become increasingly clear is that his own judgments and his own behaviors are so inappropriate. Most recently, coming out with this leaks about his funding or his uh, relationship with a big funder of Republican politics and how he's gone on multiple trips for decades, two decades with these people and hasn't disclosed any of it. Yeah. And the close, close relationship that he has with people whose intention is to actively be working in the same spaces for which he is a Supreme Court um, uh, voice of, of conservatism is deeply, deeply concerning. Turns mm -hmm. out the Supreme Court is not going to make rules to, to rein itself in. They're not going to do it. And so the rest of us now have just another reason to look at the characters who are Supreme Court justices and to ask ourselves, are these really people whose views we can, we can trust? Because if you can't figure out how to write honestly on your disclosure form? <laughs> mm -hmm. Can you really read the Constitution with the level of specificity that you say? I mean, it's really pretty basic, right? It's like, you know, it's an aptitude test when you fill out your disclosure form. So either you're lying about it or, or you're incompetent. Or you're incompetent. Or you've chosen to believe something that you know is uh, not at all in the spirit of the law. I don't, mm -hmm. it, it well, just feels to me like it's got to be one of those because there's no way Clarence Thomas wouldn't think the American public would want to know of his close relationship with not only this crow, this crow person, this particular donor, but with a whole range of them. Mm -hmm. Because he, look, Clarence Thomas and his wife, Ginny, and by the way, the fact that we know the, the name of the wife of a Supreme Court justice is also Seriously, a little bizarre, because right? Because she She's, was heavily involved in an insurrection attempt. <laughs> yes, and and was a lawyer for the Heritage Foundation where she was paid $680,000 salary in a year for a very conservative political group. And when he filled that. out his form and said, did your wife earn any money? He wrote zero not $680,000 was she paid by this foundation, albeit conservative. He just wrote zero. So again, the, these are not mistakes that a professional person can make. Uh, Doug, it's, it's just a little whoopsie. He's going to amend uh, the t disclosures. Yes. Just, who among yeah. us hasn't forgot about all that money and favors that... Yeah, who, who, who among us didn't know that your wife earned $680,000 <laughs> when you fill out a form where they asked you, did your wife earn any money last year? Wow, this is this is really triggering the panic I have about doing my taxes later today. <laughs> later today. <laughs> later today. Well, don't hurry. Find that, find that button that says extension and you're going to be yeah. all set. And it's not Whoa. just that this guy 
you know, went on some trips with some friends. This mega donor bought his mom's house and let her still live in it. Yes. Bought houses around her house so they could put like security guys in those houses and like. Yes, but. Just so, sketchy. What, so what you're getting at, Dan, I mean, play, play that out for a minute. What happened was that this donor, who's a real estate developer, bought basically the block that Clarence Thomas's mom lives on, including her house, and paid her fair market value for it, remodeled it, and then allows her to live there Yeah, without paying any rent. How does that, how does that happen that... <laughs> This donor from Texas buys Clarence Thomas's mom's house, just happens to, and a bunch of other houses around it, raises the real estate values, and she just lives there rent-free for decades. And that doesn't count as some kind of influence. I heard some reporters talking about this, and I've experienced this with reporters too, like they'll want to get together and doing a story and we'll say, hey, let's meet for coffee or whatever. Um, and I'll be like, hey, can I get you something? They're like, yeah, you can't. Literally, right. Right. the professional conduct of a, of a reporter for you know big newspapers or uh, news outlets of any size are like, you can't buy my 99 cent or $2.99 coffee. Because oh, yeah. that Where are you not- getting coffee for 99 cents? Uh, are you, a, you taking reporters a great, to the gas station? There's a, there's a great hamburger. Yes. There's a great uh, hamburger place <laughs> that serves breakfast all day, and uh, well, on their on their here, net, on their dollar menu includes a coffee. So ah, um, there you go. yeah, yeah, it's really great. You should try it sometime. Family owned. Uh, you think you're really gonna love it? Um, yeah. So, but they can't let you buy them a, a 99 cent coffee right. because it wouldn't look right. Because that's just what you do, right? Mm-hmm. That's how you behave and how you function. A Supreme Court justice should figure out how not to have these kinds of relationships that when they come out, people say things like, what on earth caused you, sir, to think that you wouldn't disclose this? Well, the rules don't uh, don't say that I have. Is, 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 is that where we are? Are you really such a textual literalist that you don't think that the the common that a, a, a Supreme Court justice yeah. doesn't have to put general hospitality on a form and you're like, maybe our nine day trip around Indonesia on your private yacht <laughs> is not considered typical. <laughs> yeah, that's not, hey, come on over for a pizza tonight and let's watch the game. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. But but even so, I mean I mean in in all honesty, even so should Clarence Thomas be developing these kinds of relationships? Because look, we know, we know a person personally whose job it was yeah. to find influential donors and introduce mm-hmm. them to Supreme Court justices, including Justice Thomas, yeah. in order to influence, influence. them influence. on mm-hmm. particular cases. This person's job and role, and he has testified before Congress about this, was to do this work. That's what he did. And it's he's not the only one. effort, yeah. There's a bunch of people who do this. Clarence Thomas knows this. Yeah. And if you, if you can't make friends the old-fashioned way, and you can only make them based on that, because look, what are the chances that you as a Supreme Court justice 
happen to have billionaire friends that are big, huge donors to certain political causes. Meanwhile, your wife runs political action groups. Now, I'm not into patriarchy and trying to say that a husband's actions need to dictate his wife's. You can say it. You, you, both of you can do whatever you want and be married and share, and you can have totally different opinions. You can have the same opinion. I'm not saying she shouldn't be working because of what her husband does. That's ridiculous. But tell us. Don't yeah. make... Yep. Don't make journalists who have to buy their own coffee hunt around and find out that you didn't disclose your wife's six hundred and eighty thousand dollars salary working for the Heritage Foundation as an attorney. Yeah. And by the way, that's pretty good compensation. Boy, I'd love to see the compensation package value evaluations around there. Uh, what what did she do that was worth six hundred and eighty thousand dollars? Because maybe it's not too late for us to retool our lives and get a job like that, you know, mm. uh, in, in some fields. I, I, I didn't know those. Is sell your soul and avoid any ethics. I have been asking Shelly to go back to law school and see if she could be appointed to the Supreme Court <laughs> so I too could have uh, jobs <laughs> like that. Hey, here's another thing. What does a Supreme Court justice make? A couple hundred grand a year? Yeah, 286. 286. His wife makes 600, so they're, they're making a million bucks that year. You can't pay for your own vacation. Really? You know what? Because the rest of us, Clarence, we're paying for our own vacations. Yeah. And then, and then, just to be really bickery about this, he's publicly presented himself as someone who doesn't want to hang around the wealthy class. He would just as soon be in a Walmart parking lot with his RV. That's what he says. Boy, and as it turns out, every year, he goes on amazing junkets, which... I don't know, good for you after you retire from a job for which you don't want to have undue influence mm -hmm. um, uh, bearing down on you. It is, it is just really, really something. And it's just shocking that there's no mechanism to yeah. do anything about this. There's no ethics like committee that oversees the Supreme Court. Like, yeah, and no are, election. Yeah. yeah. And uh, what this boil, it boils down to john roberts and john roberts is going to go down as unless he does something in a hurry as presiding over one of the most corrupt and divisive supreme court tenures in the history of our country and uh and you know i and john roberts is one of those guys that like i all he disappoints me every time but i I always have hope for him. I always feel like there's there's something in there. I remember how we used to feel about Jeff Flake or Ben Sass, and we thought, yep. okay, these guys or Mitt Romney. We thought, okay, they're gonna, ah. and that's how I feel about John Roberts. And uh, you know, I think you know he is coming up with he is he's gonna have the the legacy of of a, a corrupt court. Yeah. That's going to be Which is life. the one thing he didn't want. I mean, the irony of all of this, when he was appointed as the, as the, you know, the the lead justice mm -hmm. on the Supreme Court, the one thing he said he wanted, and I believe he did, mm -hmm. is he wanted there to be integrity in the cases they take, how they rule on them, and how they conduct themselves. It was a big deal to him. And then, as it mm -hmm. turns out, he gets three other justices, two of whom got in because of very sketchy situations, right? one where the Republicans wouldn't pass Obama's Supreme Court Justice Merrick Garland, and then one where they rushed 
Amy Comey Barrett at the last minute just before an election. So two of the three that were appointed of most recently appointed are to a lot of people, they're under very difficult uh, circumstances. And then these behaviors are just something. And yeah. it's it's something, look, as people that want to advocate for the common good in government, which is what we do, and for people to believe that the government doesn't have to be totally wacko and 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 nutty, today's a tough day for us, right? In that, yeah. in that, like, you look at these bills we're talking about, you look at Clarence Thomas, you look at the hearings yesterday that Jim Jordan put together Listen. in New York. Before you before you jump into the hearings, let me just say this. I, as much as I would love to spend some time talking about Jim Jordan and how hypocritical, ineffectual, and criminal, quite frankly, he is, uh, I got to run. And yeah. so I'm going to leave you guys to uh, to talk about Jim Jordan together. I will uh, all right. I'll see you all later. Good we'll luck, Rob. Around. Good luck on the run. Run, Rob, run. All right, so Jim Jordan put together, Dan, this uh, hearing in New York, which was a, just a total mess yesterday on crime in New York, which really, we all know, is a cover because they want to now go after Alvin Bragg, right? They want to go after the person that's um, that caused you know the criminal defendant to have to show up. So that's what it's about. It's clear that that's what it's about. And then they couldn't even pull that thing off. Honestly, it was a mess yesterday. It, they're in New York, but they're buried in the basement of some building where it didn't even look like New York. Like they didn't even have like a New York skyline in the background, just a junket waste of money. And what came out of this, because now this, you know, this attention put on Jim Jordan, particularly for his role as the chairman of this, of this committee, is that Jim Jordan has zero bills that he has written. In his time as a congressman, one of the things you do as a congressperson you make laws you write them you whip up people to support them and you pass them to benefit the american people now i know he's the kind of guy that thinks we don't need more laws but apparently we do because we need to pass some laws about transgender kids and adults yeah but here's a guy who as a congressperson from ohio has zero bills zero <laughs> he has not sponsored a single one. I think you had a statistic of uh, how how poorly he has done compared to the other uh, members of Congress. Yeah, so uh, they did a recent study, you know, judging the effectiveness of the members of Congress, and this study rated Jordan as the two hundred and second most effect effective Republican in the House of Representatives out of two hundred and five. So there's only three people less effective. And who? Who is less effective? Who is less effective than this guy? <laughs> so how does Jim Jordan become someone we all know about? How has he become the chairman of these committees? Why is he someone that we should be paying attention to with his, you know, his, his jacketless uh, look and his finger pointing in our faces? Why? Because he says he's a fighter. Well, what's he fighting for? Yeah. Look, you can fight against stuff all day long, but frankly, the role of a Congress person is not to fight against, it's to fight for. And apparently there hasn't been a single thing that Jim Jordan thought was worthy of his team and his staff writing up as a law for the United States of America. Just ridiculous. And we went to his campaign office in, in Ohio back in back in october went right up to the door 
He doesn't have a campaign office. He only has a congressional office. And for people who don't know the difference, anybody running for office who is a current office holder keeps their campaign process separate from their governing process, right? Because you have to do two things. You have to try to keep your job and you have to do your job. And you try to keep those two things separate, right? It's the kitchen and the bathroom. You, you, put, a, you put a barrier between them. So very often, almost always, people who are running for Congress have a congressional office and a totally separate set of staff and everything, and then they have their daily work that they do as a congressperson. Jim Jordan doesn't have a campaign office. You know why? No one runs against him. In fact, the one person this year who ran against him was someone who just basically wrote her name in to try to run against him because she thought it was wrong to not have someone be on the ballot against him. So here's a guy who is in a seat that he's not challenged in a primary as a Republican, and he has literally or virtually no Democratic opponent. So he doesn't have to run for office. And as someone who doesn't even have to run for office, what does he do as a congressperson? Not write any laws. And then he has the nerve to run a committee that calls other people in front of that committee and demands that they act, they answer to him about why they're so ineffectual about things he thinks they should be effective in. It mm-hmm. is just utterly amazing that people get away with this stuff. Yeah. And just like, if you think the Democrat Party has bad ideas, offer better ideas. Like, offer better bills. Like, if you think inflation is a problem, yeah, put together a bill that addresses inflation. But they don't. They don't have better ideas. They're just oh. against, like, fake boogeymen, like yep. trans kids playing soccer. Like... <laughs> Yeah. And and the big things that he wanted to be about, you know, getting rid of uh, Obamacare hmm, didn't happen. Yeah. Didn't even didn't even write tax law. Like, here's a guy that could have at least written like a, a tax something, you know, cut some tax and get it to pass and mm-hmm. or just write up. I mean, honest to goodness, just write a post office bill of some kind. Right. Something that's so simple that everybody will sign on to it. Like starter pack congressional <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, bills. Nope. None. So it tells you something about who these folks are, right? There's there's show horses and there's workhorses in politics. Uh, It's pretty clear that Jim Jordan wants to be a show horse. And look, that's what they ran in New York yesterday. And as as Tricia puts it in the chat, it didn't go well for Democrats either. Look, because a lot of Congress people are not good in public. Like they're pretty good on the campaign trail when they do it, when they've got their campaign hat on working out of that office. But when they're like a legislator, they are not prone to being like, hey, let's make a great experience for people you know, who are, uh, <laughs> yeah. who are interacting with us. That's not their thing. Their thing is to say a lot, talk a lot. It's, it's, there's, a, there's a lot of um, point making going on for these folks. And the hearing yesterday as Trisha said, she watched it. I watched a bunch of it too. It was just chaos and nonsense and useless. Yeah. And look, People I think talking over each other and points of order and just 
Yeah, and people stuff, yelling, yeah. people yelling at, at at Republicans and or yelling at Democrats about things. And look, Democrats should be yelled at about things, and Democrats should be happy to be yelled at about things. They should say, "You're right. You care about this. Let's fix it. Let's get working on it." Or we disagree on this. And thanks for your passion. Like that's what they ought to do. And, and there should be more field hearings. Now, the thing I appreciate about this for Jim Jordan is he wanted to have a field hearing. Now he picks the uh, ridiculous thing, which is to go to New York as if Congress should be worrying about what's going on with the policies in New York that, by the way, have caused crime to go down in the last 10 months, not to go up. But that's probably not the thing that they should be doing. There's a lot of issues in this country where there should be some hearings happening. You know, you could have one over, over in Ohio where there was a toxic spill from a train. How about throwing a congressional hearing over there, Jim? Yeah. Because that really does matter to people and bring Congress people there. How about doing something else down at the border instead of a silly little stunt with your with your flak jackets on, actually meet with some of the people <laughs> who are influenced hats. by these things? How about gun shootings? How about violence that happens in the city of Columbus, Ohio, where the crime rate is significantly higher than New York City? Because Jim Jordan's from Ohio. So it's not about having congressional hearings and field trips. They should do it. I wish they did more of it. I wish it was built into the system. Look, if, if you're an average person, you've probably had zero contact with your representative, either your senator or your federal uh, house representative. Probably haven't spoken to them ever, ever been near them, ever touched their hand because they're mostly insular from the people they represent. And your chances of seeing them or talking to them are so slim. Now, fortunately, I'm now represented by someone. We had redistricting, and I'm now represented by someone who doesn't do it. He's, he's a great congressman, and he gives all kinds of access to his life and his work and travels around and does coffee dates and all this kind of stuff, makes himself very accessible. But most people don't have that opportunity, and they should. All of our politicians are too insular from the people who want to who wanna reach out to them. So applauding them for that. But being so ineffectual, picking absolutely the wrong things, and being some kind of a fighter, look, I mean, I'm not running against the guy. I'm not going to move to Ohio and run against Jim Jordan. But somebody should, who lives in Ohio should be running against Jim Jordan on a regular basis. And if, if you know somebody, we'll have them on the podcast and we'll travel around in a bus <laughs> and we'll pull up and cheer them on and support them. Um, we'd love to do that because these kinds of characters uh, set the agenda for the Republican Party. And it really is something that has to that has to has to has to be noticed and called out and paid attention to because they're feeding an entire political and and entertainment system on the on the conservative right and it's something that we all need to be aware of and talking about yeah for sure it'd be great if we could just debate policies and ideas but right now it's just a lot of political theater and fighting over the wrong things yeah and look i guess if you're going to do theater New York's the place to do it, baby, because anybody can be a star, right? It's the, it's, the town, it's the town where theater is born. So, you know, good for you, right? And I'm all, personally, Dan, I'm all for a little political theater. We need some of it. But good theater, when you experience it, it moves you and motivates you, right? right. It touches somewhere deeply in your spirit and your heart, and the theater drives people to better human engagement. So let's have more political theater, Yes, less Excel spreadsheets and more mm -hmm. theater for our ideas right. to move and motivate people. All An example of that is yesterday in Tennessee, there's a bunch of our friends and tens of thousands of people gathered for 
a piece of political theater where they marched on the Capitol and uh, you know made a big show of things with the goal to motivate lawmakers to yeah. do, do something about gun violence, to save literal lives of children in schools. Yes. And so, yeah, political theater is is great when it's, it's great used idea. to, <laughs> to yeah. motivate people to do something for the common good. But when I mean, it's you just write to, some songs, you have some, yeah. <laughs> you, you have some, uh, some makeup, you do you some get lighting, you get a little bus, you get a bus, you get a, you get a, 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 one of those areas down there where the orchestra plays and like you take Congress to Broadway and you do a whole <laughs> thing. Right. So I mean, the, and, and I'm, I'm being very, very serious in a, in a lighthearted way. We really do need more of that in our politics, right? Because that's how human beings experience movement and motivation. There should be some level of entertainment. Now you have to do your work. Of course you do your work, but you talk to any playwright, you talk to any actor in theater, you talk to any uh, performer in a musical, and they will tell you about all the work they do in the background and then the theatrical performance where that work is then paying off to accomplish mm -hmm. the goal they wanted to accomplish. A really great thing. That's what we need more of in our politics. Because when most people hear politics, they feel left out, they feel pretty dumb, and they feel pretty bored. And when you feel excluded and and bored and and um, uninformed about something, it it tends to not motivate you. And there's some reasons why in politics people want voters in the population to not feel particularly motivated, right? Because if you can get to a point where you're motivating uh, the right people for the outcomes that you want, it's easier to accomplish something. You may not always want to be motivating everyone, right? A, a good theater experience doesn't invite everyone on the stage. I have been to those experimental theaters where that happens and everyone's <laughs> part of it. And the, you know, the, the fourth yeah. wall or third wall or second wall or whatever it is is broken and you're all part of it. Yeah, not always so great. So I get it. Like it's, we live in a big complicated world and it's really difficult and inclusion is hard and understanding is hard. But honestly, some playwrights, some, some, you know, TV show script writers helping to cast a vision for these ideas and any bill that's coming forward. Look, because they try to do this on January 6th. Remember when they were like, they brought in TV producers to figure out how to produce the January 6th, 6th year and they did well, but they stayed in the frame. Can you imagine the January 6th hearings Broadway style? Boy, that would be, <laughs> that would really be something. January 6th, the musical. <laughs> January 6th. Oh, I love that idea. All right. So uh, 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 hats off to your uh, theater and uh, two thumbs down on the, on the performance of that, of that theatrical yeah. endeavor. Because it didn't really work yeah so sq midi in the chat says we need dems to do more and better communicating be positive and negative opposite of the gop yeah look i mean politics is not always seen as a communication business it's seen as internal work and they absolutely need for all appropriate ways a marketing department would be really great like other businesses and industries have like retail and then they have r d and they have development and they have sales and then they have marketing right where it tells people hey this is a good thing you should know about it here's what you need to understand there's 
almost none of that that comes in our in our political world. And um, as someone who thinks that those that marketing and advertising is a really good thing, because almost everything you own that you like that's made your life better, somehow someone made it available to you, let you know it existed, and told you that this was something you might benefit from. And you know, you bought a lot of junk too, but all the good stuff is because somebody made it available to you. And our politics doesn't feel like it's good for a lot of people. And so much of that is because most of us are left out of the system altogether. And if you're thinking about the represent, you know, the, the citizenry as your consumer, you would think about it in a, uh, in a much, much different way. Yeah. All right. That's the political lecture for the day. <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks for everyone in the chat for hanging with us. A uh, really active chat today. Alex, Ernest, Tracy, Tony, SQ Mitty. Did you get Mike Edward. D? Good to see you back, Mike. Yeah. Yeah. So thanks for yeah. hanging with us. And we've got, uh, what are we doing tomorrow, Doug? Oh, we're talking about faith tomorrow. Uh, that's what we're doing tomorrow. Um, we're going to try to have a little conversation with some of the people who visited the uh, state capitol over there in Tennessee and uh, get a little update. Uh, we'll talk about this more tomorrow. But Dan, you and I both wanted to go. And I don't know, I couldn't figure out how to make my life work and go to Tennessee at the same time. Same. So I didn't yeah. go, but I'd love to hear from the people that are there. So we're going to try to get a little report back on what, what happened there and uh, the uh, activism that's around it. And then we're going to talk about uh, economics and taxes on Thursday on on the economics themed day because this is as we said big tax week so uh that's our that's our week up and coming lots of things happening over at vote common good if you're not on the email list we'd love you to be on the email list if you're not already contributing to our good work with your stories we have a place for you to share your story uh we have a lot of surveys that we do a lot of things we're asking people to tell us about in your own life we're working on some curriculum and some projects and some things that are coming and going we're going to work on a big christian nationalism effort in iowa to really be pushing on the candidates in um uh, the presidential candidates on the republican side uh, in iowa and all kinds of things and a curriculum for you to talk about difficult conversations with those you love lots of things happening and going on that are outside the scope of these podcasts so if you're not already over there at vote common good go over to the website sign up for things, get on the deal, uh, make a donation if you're into that kind of thing. And if you don't know where to watch this, uh, that would be the best place. If you're somebody who, you know, if you're into like hack your life to make your life better, the best place you can hack your life for the Vote Common Good podcast <laughs> is over on our YouTube channel. That's our, that's our favorite place for you to do it because it makes the shareability of these uh, podcasts and all the work that we do so much better. So you watching over there versus watching on Twitter or Facebook or Twitch or one of these other places helps us in our overall work. Um, so we get it if you know you just uh, got it tuned up in your Facebook profile. And uh, so if you're not subscribed over there on YouTube yet, if you're not a YouTuber, I get it. But you know, go subscribe and watch it there when you can. We'd love to see that. Because YouTube um, is where all the good comments come in. We've got this one that says, uh, never seen Reverend Doug with his hat off. Well, here you go. Tony, well, hats, <laughs> off. hats off to you, hats my friend. Hats off to you, Tony. Well, thanks for noticing, uh, Tony. And uh, thanks for calling me Reverend Doug. <laughs> I mean, Danny Strong. All right. Uh, Take care, everybody. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye, everybody.